you've entered the Kill Zone. The Kill Zone. Frontline Gaming presents the Kill Zone Podcast. Real talk for competitive Kill Team 40K. Tactics. Tactics. Strategy. Strategy. And news you need to know from some of today's top players. Tune in every other week for brand new episodes of the Kill Zone Podcast. Like Kendra just said, you have entered the Kill Zone. Welcome back, returning listeners and those of you new to the podcast. This is Bearded 40K, and I'm joined by Emmanuel Mitsunigos from Strategic Advantage on YouTube. We've got a great episode coming up for you today. In today's episode, we're talking about the brand new Into the Dark Kill Team Starter Box. This is the brand new Kill Zone, folks. And today we're going to be jumping in and going through all the stuff that you need to know in order to start winning games in this new Space Hulk setting. So stay tuned because all that more is coming your way after we pay some bills with these messages. Oh, what the? Watch out! What did he just throw at us? And that little guy is gone. It looks like he threw a note tied to a blackish colored stonish thing. This is weird. Here, let me read it. Remember, I speak monkey. Oh, wow. No wonder he was here in a rush. He is hard at work. This note says, talk about the new upgrade kits for the Warp Coven kill team. Love, Mooney. Wait, Mooney? He has a name? Ah, never mind that. Those kits are ready? That's awesome. This is the first of many kill team focused kits that are going to be available at popgoesamonkey.com. This is the upgrade kit for the Thousand Suns Warp Coven kill team, and it's available now at popgoesamonkey.com. Yeah, this is really neat. It looks like the monkey is looking out for the kill team players out there for sure. For the Warp Coven, you can actually use more of that box of rubrics for your Warp Coven kill team and not just the, the one sorcerer and the soul reaper cannon. That's right. This upgrade kit will allow you to turn two rubrics into sorcerers. So two rubrics that box becomes sorcerers. No more wasted bits on sprue and no more wasted money on that triple sorcerer box. Saves you like 30 bucks, right? Yeah. So head over to popgoesthemonkey.com and check out this cool new upgrade kit. More like this on the way, as well as, well, we'll talk about that in a future episode. And also check out their full selection of bits and bobs for other things to add some unique flair and expand the arsenal of your kill teams. Check out the link to Pop Goes the Monkey in the description. Thanks for sponsoring the podcast, Monkey. Yep, thanks, Monkey. All right, we are back. Bills are paid. It's been a busy couple uh, weeks for the both of us, I think, right? Uh, What have you been up to, Mr. Manuel? Oh, simple stuff like having a baby. Uh, my my wife had the baby. Have you but, slept uh, at all? Uh, here and there. Uh, <laughs> pulling back the curtain a little bit. The sleep deprivation is so strong with me that this is our second time recording the episode because I forgot <laughs> to hit record last time. <laughs> no. That's okay. I mean, we got a portal from the monkey. Uh, maybe it'll help us go back in time and uh, fix that fairly easily instead of recording this all over again i just think we're just gonna chalk that last up one to last one to practice huh okay uh, <laughs> but uh yeah suffice it to say i am getting some sleep i'm actually getting some hobby time too which is really cool um before we get into our hobby i do want to do a quick psa right okay let's do it um quick psa to the community the warhammer faq or the kill team faq for um for this past month for august got a stealth update now 
people who aren't all over the forums and like Facebooks and Discord and all that stuff might not have seen how much contention there was for this one errata mm-hmm. that changed how um, cover worked if you were on a vantage point. Um, don't worry about what happened. Just know that all the hullabaloo that happened is gone. And there <laughs> is an entry in the designer commentary that explicitly explains what they were trying to fix with the um, change in the errata. So um, just want to point out that that's been changed in case people weren't aware because there was an announcement to it. But I also want to applaud GW for the quick response that they had. They immediately, boom, acted on something and in a short turnaround, completely revised a section of two separate entries, the FAQ and the errata, to align the game with what they intended because of the unintended fallout from the change they made. And that means they're listening, and that means that they are willing to push the big red button if something big enough warrants it. And that's that's awesome. I was I was very excited to see the response to that. Yeah, and uh, so I, I know what it is, what it's like to listen to a podcast sometimes. You guys might uh, drift in and out here and there as you're doing other things. But hey, wake up, pay attention. Listen. Big listen. important thing was just said. Uh, yes. You know, there's been an update to the game. So if you play competitively, especially with the, you know, this uh, bunch of cool things going on, this, you know, little bit with Nova and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, Strategicon coming up this weekend. Right. The so, weekend after our recording. That just happened by the time you're listening to this. Um. <laughs> yes. Uh, but uh, hopefully, you know, it's something that uh, you're, you're aware of now. Uh, so good shout out, Emmanuel. Because uh, I was about to breeze right over that. I would have totally missed that. <laughs> yeah, it was big and bold in my notes. Do not forget. Um, but yeah, let's go back to hobby. Um, I have been able to hobby. I have an on-location hobby corner in my home, not in our, not in the studio where I do my hobby and recordings. Um, set up on the dining room table so that way I can keep a closer eye on on my little guy while um, doing some hobby while he's napping. And I finished my Assault Intercessor knob, which is my sergeant with a plasma pistol and chainsword. Um, and as promised, I I uh, disrespected the Space Wolves and the Admech in one model. <laughs> There's awesome. a Space Wolf helmet on the ground and he's wearing a Primaris pauldron that has like all the kind of like accoutrement that a space wolf would have on it. And his plasma pistol is actually eluded plasma cavalier, 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 clavicle, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, plasma shooting go bang, bang from yeah. Admech. That um, blue DACA. Yeah. Oh, the big ouchie DACA. What melts the knobs from the inside. Um, <laughs> I strapped it with some green stuff leather strap things to the bottom of a Storm Boy's arm. And it looks really cool. It's on my Instagram. And my my proudest moment was that it was my first dive into my new skin recipe for orcs. They've always been dark, kind of darker green, forest green kind of tones. And Mm -hmm. you lose a lot of the shadows with that. So I wanted to go for more of the brighter, almost lime green tones that you see on a lot of their box art. And um, I didn't follow their recipe. I went with uh, my highest high point was with Moot Green. Ah. And it's a really good kind of like electric green, kind of very Mm -hmm. bright green. I like it a lot. Um, So I was very happy with how that came out. Almost to the point that I want to repaint all my commandos. But I'll be doing that for another reason. Everyone will find out soon enough. Um, But yeah, that's been my hobby. It's uh, that's on my Instagram. If anyone's curious on seeing what debauchery I got up to, uh, eman.paints. Awesome. 
But yeah, I got uh, three days of tournaments coming up uh, at Strategicon. I'm looking forward to. Got to go defend my title, try and take first place <laughs> yet again, two times in a Best row of if luck I can. To you, bud. Thank you, bud. And uh, actually, it's been a great week because uh, GW sent out a pre-release copy, review copy of Kill Team Into the Dark and the Kill Team Annual, which is what makes this episode possible today. So mm -hmm. big thank you to GW. Of course, you guys know that my opinions are always my own. You will know that if you listened to last edition and heard like two-hour rant on Pariah Nexus. Uh, but uh, <laughs> spoiler alert, I really like this stuff. Uh, so yeah. we're going to talk about some uh, some uh, you know different things with uh, the arena box today. Um, and full disclosure, my opinions are all Gork and Morks. Ah, I see. I see. <laughs> so let's hop right into it then. Um, let's dive into the dark. Um, so arena. Right. So so this this episode is going to be an interesting thing because the box has so much. It's got two teams. It's got the the, the stuff. What we're doing today is the actual the board, the kill zone. Right. You got to learn learn to survive in this 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 space Hulk called into the dark or the Galadark. Yeah, that's right. I got so ahead of myself. I'm so hyped. I forgot about our disclaimer. Yeah, so it's it's going to be a two-parter. Uh, right. We were talking about it before we uh, we hit the recording button the first time, theoretically, when I didn't. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it's a lot to talk about in one episode, but what most people are going to be the most interested in are the people who already have teams. How am right. I going to play on this set, right? I'm going to start playing with this in Into the Dark on the Space Hulk. Um, maybe I don't have the teams. Maybe I'm doing my own like walls and setting it up on my own. Who knows what have you. We're going to get you through knowing the kill zone first. And then it'll be easier to understand these new teams on that new kill zone. Absolutely. So, There's just so much rewind. here to Arena! arena I'm so excited for this. Yes, 2.0 Arena. You know, Arena Last Edition was when Kill Team became Kill Team for me. That's when it mm. turned on. That's when my competitive fires were the brightest. That's where I felt that I was the highest uh, form of player that I've been able to be mm -hmm. was mm -hmm. uh, via Arena. And this is kind of like Arena for 2.0. Yeah? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I was very hyped for Arena as well. Um, I bought a box. Alex got a box. And uh, I went to my LGS and I said, this is the best thing ever. It's a competitive scene. This is what everyone's going to be playing. You need to buy three, four of these sets. Um, you won't have to get any other terrain ever again. It's all pre -patted. And of course, my, my LGS owner was like, yeah, I don't have to store a ton of terrain for you guys. This is great. Um, <laughs> and then Arena kind of stubbed its toe, right? Yeah. Like it had a big showing at SEO that year. There was a whole day dedicated to it, a whole separate tournament. And... I mean, BAO was also Arena, but it just never really caught on on a global scale as like a great, like definitive way to play competitively. And uh, it's unfortunate because it doesn't mean that you only play Arena, mm -hmm. but it just never got enough traction to the point that not enough boxes sold and went out of production, out of print. Right. And then once Rona hit us and shook the world and we went into lockdown and started playing on TTS, uh, that's when everyone was like, oh, oh, this is great. Yeah, this is fantastic. And if that enthusiasm and that recognition was there from the start, I who knows what the competitive scene would have looked like? Who knows what the arena support would have looked like? Would we have gotten arena expansions like they're promising us for the Galadark back then? Who knows? But we've realized it way too late. So I'm really hoping that we don't sleep on Into the Dark this and give it um, a good push, a strong presence for a chance in match play just to see what sticks. Because I really think it has a chance of being a very 
very prominent, dominant part of match play. And I think it needs to, to be given that shot because like you mm-hmm. said, you know, when TTS was going on in the quarantine days, this emerged as the way to play, you know, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and there's a lot that this box does. It's not a carbon copy clone, but there's a lot mm-hmm. that this does to really even the playing field, perhaps a bit more than what has been seen so far. It's it. The design teams really learned about what, what made arena good, but also covered some of the problems with it. And exactly. this is going to make more sense once we get to later. But when we went from open boards to arena, it was just like, oh my goodness, melee teams are good, are king now. They're doing mm-hmm. so well on this. And I was happy because I was playing Evil Sun's Orcs, right? Yeah. Um, but the, the Into the Dark rules really give like a lift up to both sides. Absolutely. You have that protection and a better delivery for the melee teams. But... There's also better protection and defensiveness, not on saves wise, but on lethality wise, on the shooting side of things. But that that all I'm getting way so hyped, getting way ahead of myself. So let's, let's start with the basics from the ground up. Right. Board size is different. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I yeah. thought we were going to start with LOS. I was going to say. Oh no no no! Ground up. I'm making a pun. I see. The board I size see. is different. <laughs> Yeah, it's 600 and something by 700 and something millimeters, which to us in a simpler way is um, roughly 24 by 28 inches. Yeah, um, so a little bit square. We yeah, a little bit square. We were on 22 by 30, so a little bit wider, a little bit less long, closer to square. Mm-hmm. Interesting. What do you think about that? Uh, I think that, you know, what it's going to do is it's going to make short edge and long, long edge deployments or things like attacker and defender slightly less impactful, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because like it, you look at uh, the grenade yeets that, that happened not too long ago in this game's history, this would have shut that down between the walls and the, mm-hmm. and you know, the, the board length and stuff like that would have been a lot mm-hmm. harder to get eggs on target basically. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I, I do think it's going to be impactful and I'm kind of excited for it because it's going to let the game kind of develop a turn before all hell breaks loose, right? Yeah, yeah. It, that, that That's an interesting way to think about it, yeah. And, and you mentioned it, the walls, obviously a huge change in this. Um, yeah. Now these aren't your grandfather's walls, red lines painted on the ground. These walls actually exist. You kids and your dang newfangled walls. Uh, no, this is something we asked for, right? Like, if you, like uh-huh. you look at the the TTS on quarantine days. We had those on the maps, the digital maps. We added the walls oh, because right. we always wanted the walls. And uh-huh. uh, GW has heard our prayers. You know, the mm-hmm. Omnisaya has given us the fabulous technology of walls. This edition. yeah, the, and and what's really nice about the walls is that um, it makes these line of sight kind of visualization a lot easier than it was on the actual arena. Mm-hmm. and the arena boards of yesteryear right and it right. also looks better you're not sitting there with just a bunch of floating doors hanging out nowhere on the mm-hmm. arena boards um so so it, it looks better but it also uh, adds a lot more intuition to going around and doing stuff now um much like my earlier psa i don't want to miss miss the opportunity for another psa for the walls I wouldn't feel the need to make this psa if it wasn't for the fact that warhammer plus has a bat rep for Uh-oh. Into the Dark, they make two crucial mistakes in that. We're going to call out both of them just because I want to make sure people aren't inferring anything from that bat rep. Right. Um, Chris and I were talking about this before, and, and you made an excellent point of like why 
why we have to allow and acknowledge the fact that these mistakes happen. I mean, these guys are playing, what, 40 different games or something that they're mm-hmm. in charge of, but they got to do bat reps and have things done. Mistakes are going to happen. It's like, yeah. uh, you know, my wife is a little bit uh, shy of her accent sometimes, you know, being, being a Spanish speaker first. And, you know, it's that whole saying about uh, your English is much better than my Spanish. Well, their uh, Lord of the Rings is much, you know, uh, or, or their kill team is much better than my Lord of the Rings, I guess we should say, because Absolutely. I don't know anything yeah. about how to go play that. And here they are, you know, coming out. So they do their best, but there yes. are a couple flubs, you know, and, and we see this yeah. from top players. There's flubs, you know, and stuff. Uh, so yeah. got to let it go. It's just when it's recorded and coming out from the maker of the game, mm-hmm. um, people feel like there's a lot more weight. And it's like, oh, if yeah. they made a mistake, they would have edited it out. Not they read into so, it. Yeah, this yeah. is how you play re- because I saw the thing. Yeah, exactly. So I just want to call that out. So the first bullet point on page 66, yeah, 66, under wall, it says, I'm going to read this out because it's very important. Operatives cannot move over or through wall terrain regardless of any other rules other than as a result of the accessible trait. Now, accessible trait, something we'll talk to later, just helps you get through an open door a little bit mm-hmm. easier. So a wall is a wall and it stays a wall. You cannot break through the wall. So you cannot breach the wall with a breacher. Writhing ingress does not let you sneak through. Sorry, Colts. And, and interestingly enough, the hatch cutter that comes in the box, which we'll talk about next uh, next episode, cannot do the thing that he's designed to do in the box that he comes in. A lot of people's like, no, he's meant to because it comes in the box. What I think happened here is that the rules came out, the rules were designed, and then perhaps in playtesting, it was way too strong. I mean, think about a breacher or anyone making a hole in the wall and chucking a grenade into a group of people. Yeah, uh, or charging through, right? You exactly. Know? Yeah. Yeah. So, and since not every team has access to doing that, it makes it a complete headache to to try and balance that or construct a map that's not going to completely mean that the small handful of teams that can break through walls are just going to be S tier and then everyone else is D. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it was a wise decision choice to make. But just remember that even though they're less than one inch, there is a rule here for these walls that supersedes whatever it says on your data sheets. Right. You know, one of the amazing things about walls that I'm happy about is the streamlined LOS, because I feel that yes. uh, some of the most contentious issues that I've seen at tournaments, uh, either in game or just in tables next to me, is uh, who can shoot who off when, and uh, can you see this guy? And uh, you know, partly why they did that FAQ that <laughs> you had to do a PSA. Can you, right. can you come to make a call here? Can he see my finger? Bring your red string. Come check this. <laughs> oh uh, no. Yeah, uh, um, this is it's just way better now. I think. Uh, yeah, and that was what I really enjoyed about Arena of Yesteryear, and. It seems like they've done something very similar here. There's some amazing diagrams in the uh, book that show all the line of sight examples on page 67. But um, the only things that matter are the corners, the actual vertex corner of a wall or the end of a wall. If your cover line crosses that vertex or end, if if any of your cover lines cross that vertex or end, then the operative is within cover if they're one inch from them, right? If your if all your cover lines to your target cross any wall, any portion of the wall, not just the vertex, you don't have vision. So things like um, like your uh, your tau shenanigans that only need visibility, hey. you need 
to see the whole base around the wall from cover lines. So suddenly that long tyranid arm that's sticking like eight miles <laughs> off of the base um, is not going to punish you if that base is actually behind the wall. So that's very, that's very uh, positive. And also the gun that you have sticking out from your model is not going to be able to draw, or the head that's sticking way out from your model won't be able to draw a line of sight to your target because all your cover lines will immediately go through the wall that you're standing next to. Right? Yeah, no, nobody likes to get their appendages shot off. No, no. It's not nice. Um, it's, 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 it's quite impolite. Yes. Um, and another thing that's carried over from Arena and Pariah Nexus is how range is measured. So any aura or range between or two models um, is measured around walls in the shortest distance. So you can't measure through a wall. So it's not a bubble. It's um, you have to measure um, around the corner through a door if a door is open, that kind of thing to actually um, check to see if something's in, within range. Right, and this is something that catches people a lot. Uh, at least it did last edition, and I imagine it will this one. And so it's where an element of gamesmanship comes in because uh, you now have to measure around these walls to do your aura. So let's just you know talk about a competitive example. What happens if, if, if somebody has an engine that is, you know, that you've, you've found out what the heck that is from an earlier episode, hopefully. Uh, if somebody has an engine that relies on an aura buff, what happens if you come over and close that door? And now there's mm -hmm. there's a wall separated between them. Now they're outside of that range. Instant, instantly, mm -hmm. you shut off that engine um, without having to get kills and, and deal with the dice, the RNG that would come from that, things of that nature. So it, just by virtue of the mechanics of what these kinds of boards start to bring to the game is uh, mm -hmm. a different, like I said, level of gamesmanship. There's, there's new options that start to become around. And so if you're listening, this is just something to be aware of, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. and um and i think that's a good thing i think that's a good thing it's going to be I very close and confined so it'll be way too easy to get auras off um so it, it's it's nice that I, I i do really like this change yeah um, i mean it just it's it's more options for you to deal with the shenanigans the other guy across from you has brought you know and that's why i love absolutely. this format for tournaments is now i i have Multiple ways to, you know, set up a mousetrap for you somewhere mm -hmm. on this board somehow. Could be through my models. It could be the board itself. And that's one of the magical things about this, this format mm -hmm. that I'm so excited to have come back. So you mentioned uh, doors. Um, it's helpful to kind of, oh, they're technically called hatchways. They're doors. Yeah. Um, okay. They move. They're functional. What? I had a little bit of a little bit of an argument on like are they opening are they op are they static who know they actually do open and uh, we're not going to talk about the mission specifically but on the layouts of how they tell you how to put the missions together it shows you which side the door has to open on so you're never yeah. going to wonder does it open to the left or the right up down whatever it'll show you explicitly what they're intending yeah now don't make the same jump that i almost did thinking oh, i can't break through walls but my breacher can breach through doors right no <laughs> No. When a hatchway is closed, it's treated like a wall. Right. It's heavy and wall. Page 66. So yeah. wall is actually a terrain trait that they're calling, right? Yeah. If you want to open the door, if you only move or dash and get within one inch of the access point, then you can spend an AP to open it. You can complete your dash and move. So very similar to how we were operating doors in Pariah Nexus. You Which don't just get up there issue. and stop it. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because last said you could get trapped in your own DZ. Mm -hmm. So, so the designers learned from this and said, "Oh, wait, we're mm -hmm. making a better edition uh, this, this time around." Yeah, 
and now there's no way to stop a door from getting open. So no, you're not gonna have one person on the outside pressing open elevator and the other person on the inside hitting close elevator at the same time. My drone, um, <laughs> like keeping it closed, like no, stay closed. But yeah, but, so uh, one AP to open or yeah. close, right? And and yeah. the big thing that I think I interrupted you on there was uh, mm -hmm. being able to do this through partial movement. So let's say yes. you have a six inch base move, you're two inches from the door, you can move two inches, pop that door and move the rest of your four inches through that, uh, which mm -hmm. is amazing. And and again, mm -hmm. it's it's like we saw the evolution from basic arena to pariah nexus. They brought that forward now into this part, which is uh, just, it's chef's kiss. I, I really like some of the decisions they've made. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yep. But doors so or walls, makes... if they're closed, TLDR. Yes. Okay, yes. I learned a thing Now today. we also mentioned the accessible um, trait, mm -hmm. um, or the accessible rule. This basically stops you from getting clustered if someone is blocking a door on your side. So what would happen, it was honestly more prone to happen to newer players, which would lead to a lot of feels bads. And then a lot of newer players bouncing off arena or the addition entirely is that you can't get by your own model and then you're stuck behind, you open this door, but now you can't squeeze by because you didn't leave a couple millimeters. Basically when a door is open, from pillar to pillar, you can essentially move through that door. It kind of simulates you squeezing by your friendly to get to the other side. Yeah. And this is another, you know, um, add on that is an improvement because last edition, there was ways uh, that you would have somebody trapped in their, their, you know, a, a central room or something like that and win the game with max points because you can move around that board, but they can't get out of that room because of, yeah. of turn sequencing and stuff. So uh, it was, it, it was beautiful to, to do, but not to have done to you. Um, and now they have made this a lot more friendly to the noob, which I think is important because things like doors were a big barrier to entry for people that could mm -hmm. just be scummed to hell and back and abused. And uh, we did it, you know, last edition. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why to try and fix that, Sheldon had to make a, a custom uh, tactic called blow up a door where you would just spend i think it was maybe even two cp i can't remember where you just remove a door permanently it's just like this this yeah. door is done it's no, causing too many problems your 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 little tyranid kids keep closing it on me no yeah. i'm just gonna blow it up you should have called um, that tactic have a chance against the socal meta because we spent three <laughs> months practicing for socal open uh for that and our we our meta was machines uh by the end of yeah. that three months it was disgusting and yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean that in a good way uh, for mm -hmm. us, not necessarily for you, but it helped us get to number one in the world uh, for, for the team rankings, right? Uh, that's right. That's right. So uh, that's one thing that we actually breezed by. Um, do you want to back up a little bit and talk about how um, how the whole idea of walls and these protected DZs changed your whole perspective of Kill Team? It really I think that's a pretty interesting uh, thing to talk about. Yeah, I, I think that it really uh, affected me as a player, and it still holds to this day, and it's still something that is going on in the open board, which is my turn one is my deployment. I am mm -hmm. set up for this, and, and like I was talking about, that we were very mechanical in these these games of la you know yesteryear, uh, and that's going to come back now is it's like, you need this guy to open this, but first this guy has to do that. And then, so what you're setting up is this guy has to be in this range here to move on to this objective after that door opens. And it's like, you, you, I remember the, when Sheldon came through with a ruling for SoCal Open that uh, we were going to be able to open doors with Cult Ambush. 
-hmm. was like, oh man, it was like studying fractal patterns or something because you're like <laughs> trying to make it to where if they failed that five up, you were still able to move through and nobody would be blocking. Um, mm -hmm. So the fact that that's not necessarily as big a thing is really important. But to get back to your point, it, it had a massive effect on me as a player. And I think a lot of people in our local meta um, mm -hmm. became very deliberate in deployment. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I've seen in coaching just change people's game, you know. Uh, yeah. So I'm glad to see that this is going to be a required fundamental that starts people from day one training with this mindset again mm -hmm. because it made better players, I feel. Absolutely. So um, we've gone over most of the broad points about what the kill zone is, but um, we've talked about some ways to interact with it, but there's a lot of new changes to what your operatives can do just by nature of being in close quarters yeah and um one i'll just briefly touch on um it's hatchway fight and then i'll right. toss it over to you to talk about the guard action okay sure um the hatchway fight is an interesting way to kind of kind of like how accessible prevents you from blocking yourself from getting through a door hatchway fight lets you um fight someone on the other side of a hatchway, even though you're not within one inch of them. Mm -hmm. So it essentially gives you a quasi engagement range of two inches if that if that's across a hatchway. So if someone tries to position just outside of one inch so that way you can't fit your base on the other side to get through or to fight, but you um, can't get close enough to be in engagement range, the hatchway fight gets rid of that. Yeah, I think that this is an important thing when we talk about like skill ceiling and things like that. I think that this is an element where gameship, gamesmanship and being a better player really starts to surface because what you need to be aware of, guys, if you're coming into this realm, you know, for the first time, which all of us are, you know, to the, to, into the dark. But if you didn't play Arena last edition, something you're not necessarily going to be aware of is that you can, through the magical mystery tour of this game, this board end up within one inch, end up within engagement range of guys mm -hmm. that did not charge you and you did not charge. Mm -hmm. You know, let's say you open a door and you find yourself within one inch of somebody, you are immediately in engagement range, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, it, it's just, uh, is what it is. Like, so it's something to be aware of because it's another moment where the uninitiated can get gotcha. And it's mm -hmm. something to start practicing as you're coming into this yourself and thinking about how do I leverage that? How could it be used against me? You know? So, so we'll talk about uh, on guard. Yeah, on guard. On guard. Uh, I, I so, wanted to make sure I threw this to you because I, this is this is what we alluded to before, mm -hmm. when we said that um, there's a big change to this edition compared to arena of yesteryear. Yeah, that really helped out the shooting teams still have a dominant presence. Yeah, I think that uh, everything got a buff here because melee gets to be able to come into me into melee, you know, perhaps under less withering hailstorm fire, whereas mm -hmm. your shooty boys now have uh, on guard. So this is a new action that's available to you in close confines games. You now have instead of just moving or shooting or charging or falling back or all these kinds of things, pass pass, whatever it happens to be. Hey, you've got another option now. It's called on guard. You pay one APL to set up and basically have track target from the Phobos if you are uh, familiar with that, which is when somebody finishes an action, you can take a shot at them. Um, mm -hmm. So it has to be at the end. It's not like, oh, I'm going to shoot you halfway through your move, or I'm going to shoot you as you declare it, or something like that. But if somebody says, okay, I'm going to move dash, you would say, okay, we'll do your move first, 
They do that move, now I'm going to shoot you. Or something to that effect. You're going to come in and, and it's like reserving a shoot action for later. And what's beautiful about this is uh, you can do this even if you find yourself within one inch of somebody like I just talked about. You know, mm -hmm. and, and by the way, uh, there's been some people that have uh, tried to scum the track target a little bit and say, oh, no, you can't do that. Uh, if, if I've ended my move, it's at the end of my move. You can't do it. It's like, no, it's at the end of any action. So let's say it's mm -hmm. not your turn. The other guy's going to do a move dash or something to that effect. His turn isn't over after the dash. You can take your chance to take that shot, and then it becomes your turn again. Hopefully I've explained this succinctly enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, that was uh, that was a point where people were trying to define on when the actual turn ends. And there is a brief moment where you can kind of crowbar, pry yep. a space open there. And that's clarified in an FAQ. Absolutely. Um, you can also do a fight with on guard if someone charges into you um, mm -hmm. or gets within two inches. If you're at a hatchway, you can... Mm, is this free fight action? Mm, maybe hatchway fight is separate. I have to look at that. But the interesting thing about that is I'm going to read it here until the end of the interrupted enemy operatives activation. So my orc boy is on guard. Your Tau person got close enough for me to fight. Until the end of the Tau's activation, each time that friendly operative is in combat, do not select melee weapons or roll attack dice for it during combat. So it sounds as if if you get close enough to get meleeed, you get punched without being able to parry. Is that how you read that mm. as well, Chris? I don't know. I think you might have just it's found a, a wrinkle somewhere. I, yeah. I didn't notice that one. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's because it, it's also fighting, but that's, I mean, your opponent isn't full agency to get within that range of you. So it's, it's up to them if they're going to get close enough to allow you to fight. But that's something that I'm going to have to sit with for a little bit and understand the English of that. Because the way it sounds is as if the orc boy just throws four dice and the Tau does not get a throw any. Mm. Um, I have to sit with that to make sure that I'm correct there. And send us a comment. Uh, send us a message on Discord or DM me through Instagram if what your thoughts are on that. Because I'm very curious to think see what the community thinks of that specific rule. That's, that's on uh, page 71. Yeah, what's uh, lucky for us is that we can get an actual uh, answer for that, and mm -hmm. uh, we'll have an answer to that. We'll, we'll make a little note to ourselves uh, and get that mm -hmm. to you next episode. Absolutely, yep. Yeah. Um, so so that's, that's really cool. It's important to note that the on-guard shooting is considered Overwatch, so mm -hmm. you, can only over, you can only make a shooting attack with a weapon that you could Overwatch with. Yep. So unwieldy, grenades, that kind of stuff can't overwatch with it but what's also really neat about this is certain teams might not have to worry about the ballistics change with overwatch huh oh you mean like your intercessors uh-huh like Absolutely. your shooty intercessors going Ooh. off with meticulous yeah spicy, spicy. Uh, nice nice synergy and this is kind of what we were alluding to when mm -hmm. we were talking about how shooty intercessors would still have quite a dominant um hold on into the dark Right. So even shooty version, even if even if it's like, let's say that melee does get a big buff and becomes the way, it doesn't mean that you can't run your shooty cessors. They will still be viable, mm -hmm. I feel, on here. Um, Absolutely. One of the things that I was going to point out here that we do know for a fact on a, uh, how this works is, uh, let's say you have two models that go on guard. 
um, mm-hmm. and somebody comes in and you want to interrupt, you can only do it with one of them at a time per mm-hmm. activation, basically. And I believe it's for the entirety of the activation. Um, mm-hmm. So if somebody moves and then you do it, you, they don't get to like dash and then your other guy goes because you've already done it. And I believe it says once in a enemy model's activation, there was some kind Precisely. of operative thing to that that was like, oh, yep, that's where it is. And uh, I do have that confirmed for you guys. Yes. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. That is how it is uh, meant to be played. But there's something that I think that you were most excited for, which was a uh, condensed environment, was it not? Yes. Something. Yes. I think so every I army notes. got a buff. Yes. Is... So uh, I have this in my notes as burying the lead because we're, we're running towards the end of this episode now, but this is probably the thing I'm most excited about. So um, the way it works is that if you... I'll talk about the nerf part of it, the, down, the downside part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you use the indirect keyword, then you limit your range to three inches or square blue, mm-hmm. right? So that means if you select to use indirect, not a weapon with indirect, if you make a shooting attack with a weapon that has the indirect rule, you choose whether or not you use a special rule. Right. You explicitly say that. So if you're throwing a grenade at someone out in the open... You could throw it at six inches still. But mm-hmm. if you need the indirect because of cover, conceal, all that kind of stuff, then you're limited to the um, the shortened range. But any weapon with blast, splash, and or torrent gains the lethal five-up special rule. That's so many weapons. So That's, many. Everybody basically got a buff. Somewhere, somehow, yes. your team is stronger now because of this. Mm-hmm. Most likely, uh, and we'll talk. We'll talk about like where this puts my mind um, later mm-hmm. when we talk about what we think our factions are going to do in this right. new condensed environment. Um, but, I mean, this might make you take things that you didn't before. Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely, and, and it's it, it could revitalize. It could be another form of revitalizing models that previously had not been used uh, as much because it's like okay, let's let's take a in a standard game, Tyranid Warrior with Venom Cannon. He kind of, you know, outlived usefulness after like turn two a little bit. You know, things came in and it's like I wanted him off that vantage and in the game. But now it's like, whoo, uh, mm-hmm. you know, having that big old Venom Cannon there and taking some shots. Uh, that could get real bad with Blast and, and stuff like that on there. Or let's look at like uh, the Tyranids with their, their uh, what is it, the Acid Maz, which was the best flamers in mm-hmm. Compendium. I still maintain mm-hmm. to this day the Splash 2 and stuff. That could get really, really interesting. Or it's like look at uh, look at diffusion uh, grenade from Tau. My God. Yes. Absolutely. Lethal five, dude. I mean, if we're gonna get into it now, let's start talking about dynamite from Commando. Right. This or is why you about... can't have nice things, Emmanuel. This is why we can't <laughs> let your breacher go through walls. Yes. Yes. Because your mind because... immediately goes to holy crap, lethal five dynamite. Well, even more than that, even more than that, the torrent from the uh, from the Burna Boy now becomes ah, an interesting choice. Yeah, and then um, torrent on other weapons such as uh, the Shrieker Cannon, right? Right. Uh, Shrieker Cannon for Void Dancers. Uh, the only <laughs> the redheaded stepchild is that the term? The redheaded stepchild of all of this is poor Fusilade, still left in the dust. Oh, what? What? You never uh-huh. get you never get your day, Fusilade. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, one of the things is, uh, too, is that this 
kind of makes barricades real important, right? Wouldn't you say? Yeah. Well, one, one last thing before we transition to that. Awesome segue, but one, one last thing to transition <laughs> to. Um, there's wah, one more bullet wah. point. <laughs> there's one more bullet point to um, the condensed environment. Uh-huh. And it's quite complex and quite wordy. Basically, if a certain situation happens where your cover line crosses an operative that's um, with an engage order, then you roll one less attack dice. There's a very good picture for this, and there's a very good chunk of text that describes this. It's at the bottom of page 73, so that's the last bullet point of condensed environment. It just basically means choose your shots appropriately, or you might get one less shot. Yep, that's right. Take that extra one inch to the side, bypass that base, get some shots off, if you can. I don't know. We'll have to yep. see how uh, tight these corridors are. Let's talk about barricades, uh, because there's some yes. more that came in the box, but there's also, you get the whole uh, Kill Team Essentials kit in this starter, so you have mm-hmm. the normal barricades. Mm-hmm. What do you think but... is different about these new ones, Emmanuel? <laughs> so, um, one thing that Warhammer Plus Bat Rep did right is in placement of the barricades. They're placing them way far out, and um, when we start, lo- when I was reading through the rules for the first time, I was like, whoa... It has to be within Pentagon of your DZ, right? They were placing it like halfway across the board. Um, But you can place them as long as it's more than Pentagon from your opponent's drop zone. And as long as they're not too close to access points or other barricades and not on a terrain feature, right? Mm -hmm. So um, these barricades can go in a lot of different places. But the barricades themselves that come with the Gallo Dark are different. They're different in size, a little bit thicker. And honestly, offer a little bit of a competitive change. I don't think you have to use these barricades, but on the Gallo Dark, they're, they're in the train rules are called Gallo Dark barricades. So I think that is sufficient to say that you can't use these on an open board. They can only be used in the Gallo Dark. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing that says that you can't use normal barricades on the Gallo Dark. But there might be a, a significant um, tactical decision that you might want to make to have a thicker barricade, like the ones with the. Um, ones with the containers. So a little bit of interesting pre-game tactical decision on what barricade you choose to put down, huh? Yeah, and I think that they were very wise to make you space these out a bit more than usual. Oh, yes. Because like, if you look at uh, just even open board, you can speed bump things. Be like, oh, you're a 32 mil, haha, and then put like a 1.2 inch difference between, and then it's like six inches to get over, uh, you know, choke things out. And if that was also going on with on guard in a narrow hallway, yes. talk about yes. a choke, choke point of death. So they caught some shenanigans early uh, and, and solved that problem, which is a very good thing because it means uh, there's some feel bads that you won't ever have to experience. You get to come in uh, after everything's all nice and figured out. I would be okay with that rule carrying over to open, honestly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, for now, it's only in uh, into the dark. Yeah. Um, and then finally, what's dun, my dun, mantra dun. about assessing a team? You what always must say you never forget. Yeah, you always say that uh, there's something real important about tac ops. I don't know what the big deal is. It's a third of your points. It's how you win the game? What? Uh, yeah, there's yes. a, there's a difference, isn't there? Yeah. So um, the astute player will say, "Well, how do I get vantage if there's no vantage points? What do I do there?" Well, they know. And there's actually four attack ops that you could not score in close quarters. Yep. Those attack ops being uh, Seize Ground, Hold the Line, Sabotage, and Vantage. Now, they have a solution for you, which is pretty interesting. If you don't have faction attack ops to fill out your deck, 
you can select a number of cards needed to fill your deck of six from any other archetype that you could take. And if you don't have any other archetypes, you could choose it from any one other archetype. That's so, so spicy. Yeah, interesting. So if you don't have faction tack ops, then you might have the opportunity to mix different um, different archetypes that you wouldn't normally have access to to mix and match and make some really interesting combinations to um, to score in ways that you previously couldn't really um, for some of those teams. And this is largely for um, compendium teams, honestly, because mm-hmm. most will just have faction tablet ops that they choose from. You yeah. Know? They'll, they'll have it figured out. It's just going to mm. force you to take like that that burner third that you never used to take or something like that, right. you know, uh, right. just to make your deck. But I mean, if you're playing in a free choice tournament anyway, you'll always have your, your preferred. So mm. won't mm-hmm. matter, but yeah, uh, tack ops, you know, there, there could be an element for your team. Look and see, make sure you've got enough in there. And if not, boy, you might've just hit the jackpot because like, how long <laughs> have I been saying like, Oh man, I wish Tau could take, uh, Seek and destroy a couple of these, you know, they'd just be too good. Um, right. So, you know, maybe uh, maybe you have that for your team. Maybe you got lucky, got a little buff yeah. to your compendium team or something. Yep, absolutely. So um, I think a fun way to kind of round out the end of the episode is to talk about how our favorite teams, our, our soulmate factions, would change in this new setting in Into the Dark for Close Quarters Combat. So what do you think is going to change about you and your town? Well, I'll tell you one of the big things that's going to change, if I'm honest, is uh, the fact that I'm going to be playing these breachers for a little bit. <laughs> um, these guys. So your tower is going to change quite quite significantly. Yeah, they're going to grow an extra finger. They're going to grow five toes out of those hooves. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the teams just really kind of opened my imagination a little bit. I, mm. I'm a sucker for the navy fluff in this. Like, I've always liked uh, the idea of Battlefleet Gothic. I wish to God mm. I could play that. Um, you know, so having some Imperial Navy guys is just super cool. And, uh, I'm, I'm really excited to go for that. But as for the Tau, you know, mm-hmm. looking at this, uh, one of the big changes is going to be the loss of vantage. That was an automatic two points for me pretty much every game. It made mm. it, it was part yeah. of the equation that made it to where, you know, the lowest that I tended to score was about 14 after I figured mm-hmm. some things out in the past couple, couple things. So, um, mm-hmm. it was very hard to stop me from the 14 minimum and, that goes down to 12 now. And, you know, I have to replace that with something, which is easy. You know, they, they have such good faction tech ops, mm-hmm. but it's a thing. And it was really nice to get up on a point, score that point, And then, oh, by the way, I have one of my best ballistic skill models on advantage to start the next turn, you know, right. who's in a good spot. So it was just like right. win, win, cake and eat it too. Uh, that going away is a thing. Um, I might, instead of taking the Grenadier, split that up over two models. Hmm. Uh, I It's possible that, uh, you know, I mean, there's going to be barricades and, and little bits of terrain around besides the wall with heavy and obscured or whatever, non-visible. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I mean, I guess, I guess the high intensities could still be a thing, but mm-hmm. I don't know that that's where I'm going to lean out of the gate. I might try mm-hmm. and look, look at other things. Mm-hmm. Depends on if I'm taking, like, the tack op for... Uh, mark enemy movements because if mm. I what I love about that see now I'm thinking like okay I'm forced to take a, another tack op what I like about that is getting it once kind of means you have it twice mm. in, in a weird way because if like you put the, the high intensities on enough of your guys that 
diminishes by one next turn, you still have more than half the team uh, tagged next round. So it's like right. achieve Without that once. It's kind of right. It's yeah. kind of like a, a buy one get one. Um, unless so, unless you start killing off your enemy models with right. the marker lights, yeah. which you kinda do. That's one of the dilemmas yep. of this. Is it's like, hmm, this guy with five marker lights. Oh, he's dead now. Uh, what happens? <laughs> but uh, no, I, I'm I'm very excited for that. And then I think that uh, even once I inevitably go back to Tau, I'm going to be uh, trying to kit bash a navy seals kind of a thing and just play that proxy them as Tau. So they'll be my Navis seals. Um, hmm. And, uh, you know, just sculpt them up and do some, some cool stuff. Long-term project, probably. Passion project. Yeah. Probably a dumb idea because I already have a Tau team ready to go, but uh, it just gives me an excuse, you know? There's, there's a term for that, right? Like the guavesa or guava oh, juice? the guavesa, yes. So humans yes. are guavesa. It means human helper in the Tau language. Oh, there you go. Kroot is the peck or petch vesa because it's, 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 it's the helpers from petch or peck, their home planet. Oh, you know how to say Space Marine? Guayron Shah. Guayron Shah. There's Gwe actually Space Marines that have defected to Tau? No, no. These are the enemy Space Marines. The Space Marines that have... Oh, no... I was about to say. Yeah. Whoa, that yeah, is yeah. a no, buff no, no. ethereal. <laughs> no, you know Tau. You know that uh, Alpha Legion has to be in there somewhere. Come on. Oh, yeah. In my head yeah. cannon. They're, they're the ethereals. Yes, the secret <laughs> ethereals. They created the Tau secretly. They're the ones that <gasps> put them together. It's it's the Catan before they turned into uh, Necrons. Look at the pictures. Google Catan. Or not, not the Catan. What do they call them? <laughs> the Necrons before they were Necron. Necron tier. That's what they're called. Necron tier. Look at yeah. that and then look at a Tau and tell me it's not basically the same race. Hmm? Hmm? Oh, that's hmm? funny. Hmm? That's funny. You're, you're like that meme from Always Sunny where he's yeah. got like the whole the conspiracy <laughs> board with the red yarn it's like look at this necrontier tell me that's not a fish person so let's yeah. talk about my commandos and how they're going to talk change. about them <laughs> what are uh, you going to do different what's coming well, so up? one big thing is on open boards i would play quite a bit of uh climbing ropes mm. i would on average take six and then dynamite sometimes i would sack a few of them so i could take uh a smoke bomb if I needed to, but more often than not, I was taking a ton of climbing ropes. Not as useful. And um, not not as useful. <laughs> Some might say not useful at all in the Gallo Dark. So uh, that frees me up six EP, which mm -hmm. is interesting. Now stick bombs, they're interesting because they're not like frags; they're two four. So that sounds a lot more interesting with lethal five up because it's two four damage, a lot more swingy, especially with more crits there. Yeah. Um, and. Um, in addition to that, uh, Burna with Torrent getting lethal five up means I'm more likely to take a Burna. And now with my extra EP, I can give him a Choppa. So it's almost like you're saying you're paying two EP for a Burna on a regular boy, right? Um, so those are two big things that change for me. Now, I wish the Sniper had the Torrent rule, not his Avit rule where it says that you just reduce the shots and split it to all the ones within yada yada. It doesn't explicitly say torrent. So uh. Snipe Avoid does not get the crits off of the condensed environment. But um, Ooh. He, he's, he's pretty interesting. The one thing that does change is dynamite. And then one neat thing is that my three APL might be more interesting on a DACA boy. Think about what he could do with a door. If he has an extra APL, he could move while opening a door 
for two APL and then Daka dash back in through the open door into safety again. So really interesting things you could do with those doors with Daka boys to keep diving in and out. And then wow. you, yeah, interesting stuff with that. You just made me realize that uh, this whole silent meta boogeyman of silent weapons mm -hmm. uh, could be severely at a downturn for the time being because of the being engaged to activate on guard. Right. You know, and yep. the the way the terrain works, having some of your base out could just be kind of accomplishing a similar thing mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. with full engage. Um, I mean, you could also have um, Turning Point 1 setting up a silent shooter by a door and then someone else opens it for him. Gotcha. I've also thought about things like Commando Grot. He's not as effective anymore because he doesn't yeet around as much. But ah. say someone say someone is set up on guard in a doorway and you can't get in on an objective because he's standing there on guard with a plasma, right? Mm -hmm. um, send the Commando Grot in. He can position in a way that his base gets... Um, He's not going to get shot by the on guard after he does his ninja rope from downtown. Yeah. And then he closes the door. And now suddenly on guard is guarding a closed door. I wonder if I end up taking a few more just ablative drones because of the fly. It's funny because mm. people would think that, you know, the uninitiated are going to think, oh, what would you need that for? It's like it's so good in crowded hallways and stuff. Fly over each other. Yeah. Yeah. To yeah. just be like, nope, you do not exist. And, yep. uh, it's going to make around. it very nice for Harleys as well. Um, right. Yep. Interesting oh, stuff. Yeah, this is going to be awesome. So we hope that we've whetted your appetite, got you excited for this awesome new game. Uh, again, special thanks to GW for supplying this to us so we could uh, take a look you know, a little bit early. Really appreciate that. And uh, I think, honestly, my honest opinion is you knocked it out of the park. So excited. Uh, anyways, hope you enjoyed this episode. This has been Beernid. You can find me on YouTube at Beernid 40k or in two weeks. You can see me right here on another episode of the Killzone Podcast, available where you consume your podcasts. And I've been Emmanuel. You can find me on my Instagram at eman.paints and you can find me and my buddy Alex on Strategic Advantage on YouTube. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Killzone Podcast. Your home for real talk for competitive kill team. Brought to you by the Frontline Gaming Network. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode.